And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell He scores the ball and he rebounds well Don't fight the future, honey Don't fight the future The future is Luca. The timing sucks cause the Mavs are ass But did you see his no-look pass? Whoa! Don't fight the future, honey Don't fight the future The future is Luca. Welcome to 77 Minutes, the Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Tim Cato. We've got Mike Pellucci on this episode. And we've got you. We're going to do a listener question show. And so... This is the podcast for the people. Now, this episode, it's, it's by the people as well. What do you think of that, Mike? Probably better than by us. I trust them more than I trust us. You yeah. know, and it's only fair. I mean, listen, you guys are the heartbeat of the show. You listen to the only Dallas Mavericks podcast out there, right? There could be other podcasts if you weren't listening to this one. Right, right, right. I, I still think eventually somebody will will have another one, but... Right now, we are kind of the only But if we keep the listeners option. happy, then why would you need to do another one? Which is why we're answering the questions. <laughs> All right. So I solicited questions on uh, on Twitter, and I, I tossed it in the Mavericks subreddit. Um, so I'm just going to pull pull things from there, and we'll see where it goes. You want to start off with um, something a little bit lighter? Adam Absolutely. Rosenfield asked on Twitter, what comes first, Coin at $1, or KP plays in a full playoff series? Ooh, ooh, that's Dogecoin. Dogecoin is that? Is actually how we're saying it? I mean, obviously, I've read that word a billion times. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, I mean, crypto. I think generally, I've I've got thoughts that I'll I'll uh, I'll leave off this podcast. But well, okay. What here's the question? What is the current value of Dog Dogecoin? Dogecoin is like uh, it's like sixty cents or something. Honestly, maybe I'm even off on that. But I I knew I knew that it's been under a dollar for for a while, and, and the bet is. You know, very similar to to some of the others. Um, I think I think Kristaps plays a full playoff series because I think he plays it um, this year. And I was about to say that I agree. I think if nothing else, the fact that they have—I mean, we basically haven't seen the guy for a while, a couple of weeks. Uh, I, I think they are very much going to calibrate this to make sure he's on the floor in this playoff series because they saw what happened last year. No one is saying that they necessarily beat the Clippers with Christoph Porzingis, but he was so good and his absence was so felt that they certainly have asked themselves, I'm sure, what if he were healthy? So I think that is, you know, after getting out of the play-in tournament, because that's priority number one, priority number two is make sure that he can play the entire playoff series because you also need to know what you have with him right now, right? Like this, this team ain't winning a title, but you at least need to take a step forward. And if that's not winning a playoff series, that's at least seeing what your personnel can do in a playoff series on the floor together. Last year, we didn't get a sense of what Jalen Brunson would have provided. We didn't get a full sense of what Christophs Porzingis provided. If nothing else, I'm sure they're not going to go home happy if they don't win a first round series. But if everybody's on the floor and contributing, 
at least you feel a little bit better about, okay, I have a more complete picture of what this team looks like in a playoff environment. And that will inform what decisions they might make ahead of a very pivotal offseason. There's a lot of Porzingis that has been asked uh, in these in these questions I've solicited. So I think we're going to stick on him for a little bit. Hunger Ghost on Reddit asked, can KP be healthy for four straight playoff series in any imaginable scenario? I, mean, I can imagine a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> I mean, okay, define healthy, right? Like, does that mean if there's a rest game in round two to keep him healthy, uh, does that count? Or is that, are we assuming healthy means you're going hard night in, night out? I think so. I think a rest game in the playoffs in the postseason is so, you know, if if that's what it comes to, I, I know. Have concerns, I'm, I'm, I don't disagree. Right? I'm just trying to imagine the parameters because, yeah, you don't want it to come to sure. That. I mean, look, it's, you never know. Uh, it's, there is so little, I know this is a cop-out answer, but like we talked about this when Tim did the feature uh, a couple months ago about, you know, getting KP back to full health and what that entailed. We know so little about what goes on behind the scenes of sports science, but we know especially little with Christoph Sporzingis. I would, do I think that this is something that is right now at this moment in time when he's missed several games Am I going to be overly optimistic about that? No. But is it possible? I Sure. I, in some scenario, it could be possible. All you need is the right run of health for the right couple months. And it's also worth noting, right, we haven't seen this team really have a normal season of play with him on the court and a, a real consistent game plan designed around keeping him playoff ready and playoff healthy, right? Now, we talked in the show before about maybe the move is – keep Christoph Sporzingis at 60 to 65 regular season games so you can maximize his postseason utility. I don't know if that's what the organization is thinking, but let's play devil's advocate. If they agree that maybe there is some rest plan that needs to be built in, and I think that's a fairly safe bet because we've seen it this year. Well, who's to say if they finally, you know, going into next season or the year after, when they have a sense of full normal schedule with actual normal rest built in, and Porzingis starting the season at zero at sort of a neutral point versus playing catch up from an injury, and they can actually implement a program of rest throughout the year. Who's to say that doesn't pay dividends in the postseason and he is fresh? I just think that there's so little that we know. And no small part because there hasn't been a normal season where he's been here. You know, year one is the bubble year, year two is this year, which is normal for nobody. So it's I, I would my best hope for optimism that it could happen is they have not had a full normal year with him to implement safeguards. And if they do that, then maybe that does pay these dividends. But right now, it's just it's such an unknown. According to my Twitter sidebar, Dogecoin has soared 40 percent to 54 cents. So it okay. is it is there are even more efficient ways to launder money now. Um, <laughs> I'm always I'm always struck by by Chris Tapps and. When I wrote that story, and when you take such a deep, detailed look behind the scenes at to at all the work that's being you know that's going into keeping Kristaps healthy, it's I think it's easier to be optimistic or at least to you know when when you understand the breadth of of the work that you know both the the training staff and Kristaps is putting in, you think yeah it's going to happen like like look how much look how preventatively they're working you know, like, like, look at the full scope of it, the hours and the time. So I want to say, yeah, I want to say that he's going to be a healthy player. And, and, you know, that, you know, he'll, he'll get injuries a, a little more often than people than, you know, than other players, but all things considered, he's going to be fine. But the evidence is not on his side whatsoever. And I think, you know, 
even beyond the major knee, you know, the knee surgeries he's had, um, you know, in, in 17 and, and 19, um, 18 and 19, whenever they had those, even beyond that, the idea that he's always nagging, you know, always has a nagging injury, a, a sprained wrist, a, a sprained ankle that, that constantly, you know, the, it, was, it was like this in New York too, where he'd always pick up these small minor injuries. He, even if he maxes out his potential, if you're thinking that a two-star team, Luka Kristaps with better role players around them is going to win the title, all it takes is one injury. Like the, the whole idea of having yeah. three superstars is the third one is a preventative measure measure for if the second one gets hurt. And, you know, how many times has has Kristaps made it through even a six-week period in the regular season without, you know, just missing a game here or there? And missing a game here or there is okay in the regular season. And that you can plan around that, you can you can adjust and and survive that. It's much harder to survive that in a conference finals when, you know, the margins are already so slim and small. Consider me worried. Consider I I do think that, you know, this has to be a referendum of, of some degree, uh, the, the, this coming postseason, um, really this coming stretch run. Porzingis needs to be healthy. I mean, if he's not, um, you know, it's a paradox. If if he is, then he's going to be more tradable. You know, if he really shows out, he's going to be more tradable. Um, if he doesn't, he's going to be less tradable, but you're also going to have more, you know, desire to trade him, I guess, in that scenario. Um, yeah, it, it opens up options, right? I mean, in some ways, if we're thinking big picture, the realistic best case scenario for the Mavericks isn't about what the outcomes are in this postseason. It's Porzingis having a great series and proving that he could be on the floor because either A, that gives you more confidence for building around him and Doncic, which is the preferred plan, or B, it probably helps spike some of his trade value if you do want to explore alternatives. Do you think Porzingis will be here next season? Electronic Pool asked that on Reddit. As of now, yeah. Uh, I mean, you never know. The, the thing that this front office has proven time and again is that they find trade scenarios and pull those trade scenarios off, not only stealthily, but they pull off ones that you or me or whoever don't necessarily think are possible. So I could sit here right now and say, I can't think of a realistic better fit that they can get, but that has not stopped them before because if realistically, I didn't think they could get Kristaps Porzingis when they did. Gone to my head though right now. Yeah. I, I still think he's here to start next year. I think the goal is use the cap space you have in a productive manner in the offseason, add some talented player around the group that they have and see where that takes you before you, start blowing it up from there. It's it's hard for me to envision Porzingis being gone by, you know, four months from now, more or less. I don't know. Where are you at with that, Tim? I'm the same way. It's just I can't see any realistic scenario where you're actually getting something, you know, a player or players back that has higher heights than what Porzingis could represent if if you can get him healthy and playing well for a, for a consistent period of time. But yeah, I mean, just the idea that his his future on this team is is so it's the same conversation we had when the trade rumors came out earlier this season. And I just think that you have to view him as just the same as you do do the role players. Like like if he's if if you can deal him and bring back players that are going to help Luca win a championship, there's no uh, romantic a- attachment, uh, you know, a romanticized attachment to Porzingis and Luca as a star duo. There is only Luca. And that's what matters to this team. And that's how they're building it. And if Chris Tapps is a victim of that, um, you know, if, if he is, you know, used to make the team around Luca better, you do that. Uh, Mason 77 or 744 on Twitter asked if Luca wins a championship with the Mavericks, it's bringing us on the team. And then I got a similar question from uh, Shek the Shrek. Uh, do you think Luca and KP's relationship can be repaired if they have success? 
i.e. winning the first round in the playoffs. Which, yeah, I mean, this is this is all all similar, but just the idea that their relationship, it, it does seem more likely than not that if the Mavericks win a championship that, you know, I think it's without Porzingis. And I think that might be just recency bias a little bit, but but yeah, it, it does it does seem like Luca and, and Kristaps winning a championship together just seems very distant after the past few months. I'll I'll, I'll conclude like that. I'm just saying the same thing over and over again. So I'll yeah, and you know, and like, look, here's here's the thing. I I won't even necessarily frame that just from a relationship perspective, right? Because I I don't think we know the full picture. But setting that aside, just from a personnel standpoint. The league adjusting to drop coverage and finding answers for it um, has really – that's been a big game changer for why on an encore perspective, no matter – even if they were best buds, from an encore perspective, that's what complicates us a lot. If that hadn't happened, um, I think we'd feel a lot better about the defensive ability for Porzingis to be on the floor in all scenarios. But that changing and the league evolving and just a seven foot three guy, even an athletic one like Kristaps – uh, only having so many ways that he can adapt to that, that's what makes this tricky because there are, and, and this sounds crazy, but this is true, there are certain matchups that you look at in these Western Conference playoffs and you start wondering, can he stay on the floor in a way that doesn't let them bleed points? Um, you know, Tim and I wrote this morning, we did a little back and forth conversation about what the next two weeks look like before the playoffs. And we were discussing, uh, you know, one of the scenarios Tim's posed is, you know, if let's say they escape the playing tournament, would you rather play Denver? Or would you rather play the Clippers? And my answer, both of our answers were Denver. Um, but one of the factors for both of us is Porzingis specific in that Nikola Jokic being on the floor means you know that Porzingis could stay on the floor because Denver is not going to do anything super small or super wing heavy without it running through Jokic. So that means Porzingis will be evolved. Whereas if they play the Clippers, I could see some scenarios in which they try to run or space the floor in a way that is not conducive to keeping Christoph Porzingis on it. We've seen Rick Carlisle close games with Porzingis on the sidelines because that's what he felt was the best option. That's not to say that Porzingis, even if he's, there are defensive questions sometimes, doesn't do a ton on offense to help because he absolutely does. It's not to say he's a bad player because he's certainly not. But if this is your second star and we are now in where the NBA is at this moment in time, wondering can he be on the floor in all scenarios, that is very problematic when your best player is not someone who is a defensive asset. And Luca, I would say Luca's certainly improved defensively. He has less reliability than he was two years ago. There's no question. But already, if your two best guys are people who are not defensive assets in the modern NBA, uh, that's 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 tough. That's very tough. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So Zebran on Twitter asked, when will Rick make the adjustment to strictly have KP at the five, opening the floor for more shooters? I, I think I think that, you know, for the Mavericks to, to maximize what they can be, it obviously involves Porzingis on the court. Um, when he's moving at his best, he's still capable of, of being out there on the perimeter. It's obviously not, you know, something that you, you want all the time. You're, you're going to try to get him closer to the rim when you can. But, you know, it, it is it is very clear that the Mavericks best lineups need to be with KP at the five. I think that's clear. Um, I think both his defensive limitations as a perimeter defender um, and Maxi's 
limitations that you know he's not going to be able to attack closeouts that often hasn't hasn't proven to consistently do that also just isn't quite as dynamic of a of a defender as he was even a couple years ago you know so so i do think that the the lineups that the mavericks need to succeed are are porzingis led lineups um you know i I still think that there's going to be two look sets i I think it it, somewhat depends on who you play i think if you play the clippers you're gonna have a lot more of kp as the only big man on the court and if you play Denver, you have more flexibility to get Powell out there for for stretches. Uh, certainly get Kleba uh, out there, um, even with you know with uh, with Porzingis, not just only serving as his backup. Uh, so yeah, I think I think you'll have a chance to do that. I don't know when Rick will do that necessarily. I, I don't think it's necessary for them to kind of shift over to playoff looking lineups. I, I think the I think everybody on this team, you know, they've had so much continuity that they know how to play together. And I think that they can, you know, you can adjust for a postseason opponent and and just be, you know, be ready to make that that switch. Um, in the meantime, you know, the, I think the two big lineups have worked well. And so I, I don't I don't know if there's like an imminent adjustment coming. I just think that, yes, we're going to see a lot of KP at the five if, if it's the Clippers. And I think that's uh just crucial for for this team to be as good as you know to to be a potential playoff upset um upsetter upsetting upsetting team something like that then uh then then it definitely definitely requires Porzingis at the five yeah and I think one thing that you know look we're not seeing as many adjustments right now for probably a couple reasons one I think Rick has to probably keep you know, the card's close to the vest, right? I mean, whatever he's going to do in the postseason, there's probably going to be some wrinkles out there that haven't been thrown out throughout the year. And the second aspect is because some of this stuff, as Tim says, is going to be matchup dependent, you can't just necessarily cut your rotation patterns or cut your sub patterns and tweak it in one certain way now. And then when you need to go another direction in a certain series, guys don't have that cohesiveness together. So I think it probably behooves everyone involved from Rick all the way down to each of the players to just go with what works on a nightly basis, mix and match, keep everybody as a viable option and a fresh option and an option that has been on the floor. It's a lot easier to cut down versus expand the menu come the postseason. You know, try more things now and hide your options now so that when you need to specialize, you need to go one direction. It's a lot easier to to do that in, for a seven-game set. There's a lot of uh, free agency and off-season focused questions. Uh, we can probably end with those for a little bit let's go quick hitting on uh on, on some of these ones that i think we can we can knock out and then move on from mike what what the fuck is up with mavrello explain I deep dive into mavrello is man. what jared 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 cheek asked for that but there's a there's a couple other people who mentioned mavrello i yeah I, did any of them mention it in a positive context i i think there's a bit of confusion um continuing um I don't think I don't think that anybody has a has any more understanding of uh, the Mavrello yeah. idea. How much is Finney Smith really worth? Fifteen million dollar player sound about right. That was the number I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, about, about that. I mean, clearly, because what's Dwight making? Eleven or twelve? Eleven? I mean, you're Dwight Powell. Pay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dwight Powell's making about twelve. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna pay him a bit more than than a Dwight, and I mean the Dwight deal is probably a little more than what the market value was worth even pre Achilles injury. But I mean, I don't know if Dorian can be your best three and D wing on a championship team, but he, I, I feel pretty sold that he can be the second best, and he's a pretty. If valuable he's playing like he has over the past month, he can. I, I I think that's for sure. Yeah, I mean maybe that's fair. You know, like look, I 
it probably is unfair of me to assume the old ceiling for Dorian has been the old ceiling because nobody on this team has improved more year in, year out. Nobody's added more year in, year out. So right now, $15 million guy. But if you told me that there's another level still, it wouldn't shock me just because he has done so much to continually add to his game and he deserves a lot of credit for that. That was uh, Alyssa Baker, AliBO2 on Twitter, asking that one. Let's see. If Rick Carlisle was a type of rock, what kind of rock would he be? Thank you to the Kobe Beef, also known as Doyle Raider. For Shout out one. Doyle, friend of the podcast. Shout out Doyle. He's been on the podcast. I'm not a geologist, so this is a trick one for me. What What is a, a rock that is, let's say, um, sturdy? I don't know if you know this. I'm asking you. I was going like to say you, firm. I was just going to say a firm rock, and that's as far as I was going to go. To yeah, I was. I was about to pose some criteria for rock and expect you to answer this like you are. You are a geologist yourself, but you know, maybe maybe our Twitter users. If there's a geologist among you listeners, maybe you can answer this for us when we post this. Some something that is sturdy that on the surface appears fairly dull, but has a lot of layers to it, right? Because Rick's Rick's a pretty mm. interesting tactical mind, and Rick is you know going to be. You know, not necessarily mean the flashiest dude, but he knows what he's doing, understands the game extremely well. And just you kind of know what you're getting with Rick Carlisle. It's pretty dependable. There's a reason he's been here as long as he has. So I'd say something in that vein. What that equates to, I don't know. I don't think Rick is an amethyst, for instance. Amethysts are very, very pretty rocks, uh, very, you know, eye popping. I, I don't think that's that's Rick's style. But, uh, you know, a, a solid, sturdy, yet maybe complex rock of some sort. Whatever type of rock he is, I can rule out Dwayne Johnson. Um, Indeed. Shaved head, though. They do have that in common. How are players reacting to more and more games being cited merely by the fickle whims of three-point percentage? Which is a fun question. It's an interesting way to frame it, because I I think we've talked about on this podcast how three-point percentage is kind of random sometimes. It's it's random on a game-to-game basis, especially determining how your opponent's going to shoot. You know, I think shots going in has always been what determined the league you know, and and who won games. But I guess, and I've had analyst type people tell me that, you know, the randomization we feel is not actually much more random than it used to be. But we look at three-pointers as a separate stat. You know, it's in the very box score. So when you have a bad three-point shooting night, it it feels and it looks and it's much easier to point at than a bad long two-point shooting night, for example, Uh, which teams used to lose games off, uh, you know, back, 10 years ago when when that was a a key critical shot in in the in the way the game was played well it's not just that though i think it's that combined with just we are experiencing so much more sort of homogeneity in terms of how teams are built and what sets that they're running teams play a lot more similarly than they did 15 years ago and so when you have teams trying to play the same way in so many cases and that same way involves maximizing three-point shots and we can isolate those numbers better than we probably ever have it right and i'm speaking strictly from my sense as an observer, you know, Tim would have a better sense of, you know, the folks, the team that he's talking to. For me, though, I look and I'm just, you know, sometimes it does get a little tired when you're just like, man, this is, I'm going to watch, you know, I love the sport of basketball, but when you know that everybody's trying to do the same thing and that everything you're about to sink the next two and a half hours into watching probably determines on whether this one thing gets done better on one side or the other. I mean, it's, it feels very much like a solved game sometimes. And this is not the only sport that is that way, right? Baseball is absolutely in this boat of, you know, balls aren't in play anymore. So it's kind of uh, sort of a three true outcomes game of home run, strikeout, walk. Football is becoming more and more that on the professional level, mirroring the college game of 
we're going to play three or four wide. We're going to throw the ball a ton and running backs are becoming more and more fungible. So it's not just the NBA, but yeah, I think it's, it's sometimes it can sit there and it can feel a little like, man, what, what is the point of this exercise? <laughs> if this is, if this is what we're doing out there. Sure. There's a couple questions about Tyrell Terry, which I don't have details and probably wouldn't share them even if I did. But last I heard is he's okay, you know, health wise and all, all that stuff. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Sir Wilco on Reddit asked, what do you think about the potential for the Mavs rookies like Green or Hinton? Which uh, means indicates to me that he very clearly did not listen to last week's episode. So yeah, listen to last I'll, week's uh, episode. And, uh, sir, we'll, yeah, sir, sir, I will, uh, I will refer you to, uh, to last week's episode where we talked far too long about Josh Green. Um, yeah, so that's, that's the Josh Green segment. I mean, Nate Hinton at this point, Nate Hinton's got some intriguing tools, um, but until we actually see them in an NBA game, I mean, there's a, like Josh Green was a, you know, a top 20 pick. Nate Hinton was an undrafted guy. So until we see uh, Nate Hinton impact NBA games, I'm going to assume that, you know, maybe he's more of a, you know, an end of the bench type guy. That doesn't mean that that can't change. Dorian Finney-Smith was that once. Maxi Kleba was that once. And now look where they are now. But we just haven't seen enough of him on the floor and what we know from – which. Because we haven't seen him on the floor, we sort of have to lean on what we knew before. And what we knew lean on before was, you know, 60 picks past this guy wasn't drafted. Whereas there was a lot of stuff with Josh Green where he's 20 years old still and has a high pedigree and hasn't got a lot of time this year where you can at least go, okay, well, when he gets time, you know, when he's 22 years old, there's reason to believe that this could turn out well. Reddit account Jackie Moon 69 asked, do you think the Mavs should trade their washing machine for Ed Monix? Which I respect the bit. If that's your username, that's that's got to be the question you ask. Um, it's a little throwback to. Uh, oh man, I'm blanking on the name. What's the what's the name of that movie? I, this one's over my head. It's the it's the Will Ferrell basketball one, whichever one. That oh, is. Um, oh, 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 oh. Um, yeah, semi just, semi pro semi pros. Semi, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. So yeah, I was the, the Will the Will Ferrell arc. I feel like he peaked after Talladega Nights and started going downhill, right? And then you had Blaze of Glory, and then this was after that. And I saw Blaze of Glory, and it was fine. But there are some people who really stand by Blades of Glory. Although, actually, no, Step Brothers was somewhere around there, too. And that was pretty solid. But the peak of his powers ended with Talladega Nights. It defined an era. It absolutely defined an era. But it, that, that era, I think, is, is safely can be described as uh, in the past. Uh, Brad Davis Goat asked, have the Mavericks ever had cap space? Like, ever? Good question. Uh, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, can, I can pick up the, the, the sarcasm. No need for a... Uh, there's no ever, need for a... Ever, ever? Yeah. Ever, ever. Ever, um, ever? Hard, hard, hard to say. What would a first round exit this season mean for the future of the current roster? I think the Mavericks are definitely at a place where they would make serious changes. They're ready to make serious changes. And I think they're, they're really viewing Luca and his timeline as a, you know, as a, hey, we need to get a team together that can be a contender sooner than later. Um, and I think uh, after the past couple of years and, and just, you know, everything, every, all these things considered, I, I think the Mavericks are at a point where, you know, they, they would, they would do something. They would do something dramatic. I don't expect the same team to be back next season. 
I mean, I will. I don't even think a first round exit necessarily. I mean, I'll, I'll flip it on you. Even if they win a first round series, does any right. of that change? I think you got to for That's a good point to, to actually think that this is the roster. I think you got to win two series, and I don't think that's happening, mind you. But if they win two series after the year they've had, after all the stuff they've been through, they can absolutely probably they could tell themselves the story of man. After all of this, we won two playoff series. We got to a conference finals. This could be it. That's what I think it takes for them to sell themselves on this core that you see right now is coming back with maybe a piece or two augmented versus them being open to doing anything and everything that doesn't involve moving Luka Doncic. Is there concern within the Mavs organization about KP's actual basketball abilities? Health is a clear concern, but watching him, it it seems like the only time he's able to be dominant is if all of his threes are going in. That's from the Mavs man. I assume not that Mavs man. It is interesting that Chris Stapps looks like a player who just should hit more shots and doesn't. Um, He's having his most efficient season of his career this year and so I, I think that's you know but a lot of that it has has come from his ability to score at the rim and generate more shots at the rim it's interesting and weird to me that he just doesn't hit more open shots um and i don't know if we have time to like i don't know if there's an answer like i, I feel like i feel like i would love to ask him directly like what he thinks of this or or people on the team but you know, I, I do think that's an interesting thing I've noticed about him over the past couple of years. It was the bubble. It was the bubble and, and a little bit before the bubble, um, you know, or I'm sorry, before the season got suspended. Those were clearly the best stretches of his basketball career. And I don't think he's gone more than a few games duplicating that level of shot making on the offensive end um, all season. Unless I'm, I'm missing a stretch from him. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he has. He certainly hasn't chained it together the way that he did last year. Right. Right. I think it's a concern. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the health is, is clearly the first one, but the idea that, that he hasn't consistently been a good basketball player or, 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 sorry, he's been a good basketball player. He's been a good basketball player all season. He has not consistently been the second star to Luca that, you know, was expected for him for longer than a month at a time. And yeah, I think it's willing to, I think you can point at that and say that's also a concern with him, um, which makes this coming postseason a, you know the kind of the referendum we talked about i think him playing well uh is is just massive it's it's so important to uh the future of this team to be to be frank after watching the regression of delon Wright last year and seeing it again with josh josh richardson this year is that guard next to luca um or is the spot um of a guard next to luca more difficult to figure out than originally thought or is it as simple as having two swings and misses by the front office and that's from uh taylor beatles that's a really good question on twitter yeah, that's an it interesting is. question. I'm inclined to still, I'm inclined to think it's just swings and misses. Um, because Jalen Brunson too. has looked good next to Luca. Jalen Brunson closing games next to Luca has won them games this year. Um, you know, or even Tim Hardaway Jr., especially last year. Tim's done more without Luca this year by necessity at times carrying the second unit. But last year, there was a very clear, noticeable difference of, his numbers upticking when he was sharing the floor with Luca versus when he wasn't. I mean, it's worth noting too, like DeLon Wright is now on his third team in a year. So DeLon Wright, with respect to DeLon's abilities, DeLon isn't the sort of guy who probably, that was a nice idea of maybe this guy could be a rotation piece, but I think it's clear that this that's probably more about DeLon than it is, um, than it is Luca. And I think with Josh Richardson, I mean, gosh, you know, I don't want to necessarily think the same thing of Josh. He's clearly a, a better player than Delon Wright is, but you know, I, I think the hope when he came here was okay. Well, Philly wasn't great, but that Philly situation wasn't great for him. Maybe a better situation will unlock him. 
now that we've seen this for a second consecutive team, I mean, maybe it's Josh Richardson. I don't know. I, I, I'm convinced. I remember seeing Josh Richardson in Miami thinking there was a very good player in there. Um, and I would still think that maybe there's something more than what he's shown this year. Um, but I also think if, you know, if we're asking the question, well, hey, is this a thing with him next to Luco? I think it's also fair to look at the other side of the coin and be like, well, maybe this is a Josh Richardson thing. So big picture, I'm not sitting there sweating this about a Luca-based uh, situation. Yeah, I think both are true, but it's it's definitely in like a 20%, 80%. I think 80% um, of both of those situations is that the players were ha- did not play as well as they could um, or just were not as good as pot- potentially they were made out to be or, or believed to be um, for Delon and Josh. So I, I do think you need a specific type of, of skill set and mindset. Um, you need a specific type of guard to play next to Luca. I think that's also true. I just don't think it's the the driving force behind either of these guys. And then, um, let's see. I think we we got we got, we made a lot of good ground. Um, there's some, you know, I think the other, like I was saying, the other bit, main theme that ran through these questions was just what are the Mavericks going to do this offseason? Who are their targets going to be? Um, who should they sign? I saw Josh Collins, uh, John Collins was, you know, name came up once or twice. I, I think the one interesting thing I've kind of realized about this offseason is that it's difficult to get that max cap space. Um, or or that significant cap, cap space we're always <coughs> referring to without the Mavericks renouncing Tim Hardaway Jr. and Josh Richardson. Um, or I guess in this case, Richardson also opting out, which was another question that somebody mentioned. And I still think it's most likely that he opts out, but I don't think it's guaranteed. Um, so I don't, I don't know if it's certain that he, that, that he would still opt out. Uh, but I know that was, was certainly the plan. And, and I still think the most likely scenario I, at this point, it's, you know, like the Mavericks would have to be damn near convinced that they were going to get a player they felt fit the team better than Tim Hardaway Jr. to renounce his rights and let him go sign somewhere else. And you know, with the dearth of free agents on the option uh, on the available this this off season, I, I do think there's some level of question whether Hardaway is just the player who fits best. Um, I don't like that as the answer, and I do think that there's some salary cap uh, maneuvering that they can probably pull off to. Um, hopefully re-sign him and also still sign somebody in free agency. It might not be 30 millions at Lonzo Ball or John Collins. Um, you know, the the two RFA topics we've talked about. But I don't think it's I don't think it's, you know, I think it's possible that you can you can add something while also bringing back Hardaway. Uh but yeah, it's it's I, I do think that they've backed themselves into a bit of a hole this summer and that it's gonna it's gonna take a fantastic season off season of work to you know really get this team moving in 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 a in a better direction um and it it has me it has me i guess i'm more a bit more worried than i was i mean i think you know to to name something more specific and you know we about like what does that cap maneuvering look like right how do you open up more cash i'm sure if you're willing to attach a one to dwight powell you can get off that money I think they're you know, a, a lower. I mean, there's not many years left on Dwight's deal. A team that is theoretically a Houston, for instance, that is going to be rebuilding for a while and is going to have cap room. I'm sure if you want to throw them a, a, a protected first round pick to take Dwight, that might be doable. But then you're surrendering an asset to move something, and that's the that's the key problem that this team has, and why free agency has been important is just they got Luka Doncic because they had to basically add two assets to get one. Right? It was the pick that became Trey Young and a one. Um, and that's fine. You do that deal a thousand times out of a thousand. But the fact is, 
you know, just like with the Porzingis deal. Say what you will about Kristaps Porzingis and, you know, some level of disappointment or concern or whatever, what have you. If you look at what the Mavericks have traded to get Porzingis, you still make that deal today, right? Dennis Smith Jr., you, if you want Dennis Smith Jr. back, you can get him back this offseason for very little. Those picks are bottom half of the first round picks. You got Tim Hardaway out of this deal also. You got a useful piece in Trey Burke. You still make the same deal over again. Good trade, but it required you to surrender multiple future assets. They need to find a way to add a player of consequence this summer. That's what this comes down to. There is just not enough talented bodies on this roster. And all you have to know for why that's true is look how tight the rotation is this year. Rick Carlisle likes to play guys when he has guys to play. He doesn't trust many people on this roster because there's just not enough there. So given that, yeah, maybe you could dump Dwight's money and then you can bring somebody else in. But that means, okay, trading a future, another pick on top of that. Um, The Richardson thing hurts really badly, not just because he didn't pan out for his own sake, but, you know, one way you could add a player is let's say you keep Hardway's rights, you pay Tim. If there's another team that wants a Josh Richardson, you could, you know, if Josh Richardson was playing well, you could sign and trade Josh Richardson. But, you know, because you have those bird rights, you could ink up to a deal, you could flip them. Nobody's giving Josh Richardson above mid-level money in the open market, right? Am I, am I wrong with that, Tim? I can't see Josh getting more than a mid-level if he hits the open market the way he's played the last two years. That feels right. The other nice thing about him, or, or would have been nice if, if he was having the season expected, is that his cap hold is a lot smaller than Hardaway's. So you had more ability to hang on to his cap hold, use money, uh, and then come back and sign him. Uh, yeah. So that option becomes more complicated too. Right. Um, so again, are there ways to manufacture more money? Sure. You know, or I mean, again, like another scenario that, you know, purely hypothetical, right? But a Dorian Finney-Smith or a Maxi Kleba, those are they're guys on very good contracts for role players. Very good contracts. You pair them with a Dwight Powell for another player, you get something, you know. But then again, you were sacrificing a useful piece just to bring in another piece. The end game, somehow, some way, they need to come out of this offseason with more good players than they went into this offseason with. And when you don't have right. a first round pick and you have limited cap room that might be soaked up by retaining one of your better players, one of your most important players in Tim Hardaway Jr. That's when this gets complicated. Is it impossible? No, because again, if you were looking at the thing, the two things that this team does better, I don't, I, I don't want to say better than any other team, right? But the two things that they've successfully done consistently for I've, more than a decade, one of them is finding lower end guys in a rotation and turning them into better players than you ever thought that they would be. Um, whether that's you know the undrafted free agent like a Dorian Finney-Smith or all the way up to taking somebody's discard like a Tim Hardaway Jr. and turning him into a very, very good player. They're very good at taking guys that other teams have written off and turning them into good pieces. And the other thing that they do quite well is they make trades. They trade well. You know, we could sit here and question the draft record, you know, for the last 15 years of this team, and it's a valid conversation. But if you look at the trade track record, for the most part, it has gone very well for them. So there are angles that they see that we probably do not. There are probably ways to get out of this, you know, out of this predicament that we do not see, but just from the face of this, it is going to be really tricky. You know, as Tim says, it's going to take a pretty strong off season and it isn't going to be as simple as, you know, yeah, they failed before uh, at bringing guys in with cap space, but at least before it was very obvious that they had the cap space to play around with. Now, maybe they still do, but it's not as obvious as it, as it once seemed. 
Um, and I suppose to be fair, like Hardaway isn't as obvious as it once seemed. And this is a good outcome is that Tim Hardaway has proven himself to be a very, very good player, right? That is a spectacular outcome. Tim Hardaway was part of the tax to take Kristaps Porzingis. It was, well, we have to deal with Tim Hardaway's deal for a couple of years. Well, now Tim Hardaway has turned himself into a pretty essential player. So that is a good outcome. That's not anything to be upset about that you want to keep Tim Hardaway around. But it's tricky. It's it's definitely tricky. And I'm sure there are ways that they can turn this around and manufacture them. They're just not as obvious as we necessarily thought they might have been six months ago. Next time we talk about this, uh, you know, probably the offseason, probably probably after the their postseason run has ended, uh, I think we'll have a, a better idea. Some of it, I just need to look at their cap and and take a deeper dive into, you know, kind of what mechanisms they they have at their disposal and, and how they could do some of this stuff. So when that time comes, we'll we'll be ready. Until then, next week, you know, we'll probably be talking the the close to the playoffs and and where the standings is and in positioning. Uh, might have a guest on as well. Um, and after that, it's it's postseason focus. This season is almost there, almost almost to the end point and. I don't know if it feels like it it should be almost over or if it feels like it's been I, I don't know what it feels like. I've completely lost any sense of how time should be operating. But the season is almost over. Uh we appreciate everybody who's uh who's stuck with us this far and uh should be fun. I think I think the end of the season will will have some answers um and just a lot of intrigue. I think I think intrigue for sure is a is a good way to describe both the the standings race and and where the Mavericks finish and you know the the first one, the first round that will that will follow after that. Um, very interested to to learn, hopefully a lot about the players on this team from that. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Oh my God! It's a wrap, Doug. Man, that is a wrap.